You are listening to To The Top Talk with Jamie Arrington. Thank you, Jamesy. And Jason Bailey. Bump is uh, pretty good. But the reality is... They don't know, man! I've been looking forward to To The Top Talk. You know, I have that with myself every night. Strike first, strike hard, no mercy. Juice, baby. What's going on? What's happening? How you guys doing? Welcome to To The Top Talk with Jamie Arrington and Jason Bailey. I'm Jamie Arrington. He's Jason Bailey. Take it away, Jason. Greetings and salutations, partner. I've been uh, looking forward to this episode. Uh, I don't think we're going to have to struggle much for things to talk about. This is going to be a very spirited episode, <laughs> to put it lightly. But for our first-time listeners, we are here to give you a break from all of the high-resource five propaganda in the mainstream sports media to talk about the University of Southern Mississippi Golden Eagles. Check us out on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and more. Subscribe, give us a rating, and review. All right, so we got a lot to talk about today. Uh, first off, football team bowl eligible, basketball, not so much, and it looks like we are going to be in the hunt for a new athletic director as well. But before we get to all that, let's go over some of the quick headlines this week. First off, I hope everybody out there had a happy Thanksgiving. I uh, hope you guys had a great time with the families and whatnot. hope you got to enjoy the very – I see some people call it a boring game, but I love blowouts. I love when Southern Miss blows people out. So I hope you got to enjoy the UTEP game as well. Oh, on this day, this is a very – this should be a holiday, I think. I don't know if you would call it E-Day or what, but on this day, November 27th, in the year 2012, Ellis Johnson not retained as the football coach at Southern Miss. This is the day he was fired back in 2012. So a very joyous day for Golden Eagle Nation. Yes, and I saw you tweet that out. I, I, I tweeted back saying, uh, <laughs> you know, and I love how a lot of the listeners or a lot of the, the uh, people that follow us on Twitter and Facebook were, were tagging Toby Barker. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> in every one of the uh, tweets. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, this is a this is a day of celebration. Um, and and as as much as as good of a job as Hattiesburg does with parades, um, let's go ahead and get that on board. Just another reason to to get out and enjoy the city, and and a reason to you know pop the top. And <clears throat> who knows, a parade for that kind of thing might be just an economic boom for the whole city. So I'm down. Let's do it. And and two, it's something that we don't need to forget because these kind of things seem seem to have a way of repeating themselves. And I'm not going as far as saying that's happening right now, but we have a similar situation. All right. So this weekend, the Mississippi High School State Football Championships are taking place at the Rock here in Hattiesburg. They've been rotating them around the different stadiums. This is our turn. So a quick a quick rundown on the games. So Friday, November the 30th, it's just this Friday, at a, and these times are approximate because they always go late. 11 a.m., the 3A state championship between Seminary and Water Valley. Then at 3 p.m., the 1A state championship between, is it Nanawaya? I always see Ninawaya. that. Ninawaya. versus Simmons. Then at 7 p.m., uh, the 6A championship, my alma mater, the Oak Grove Warriors, taking on Horn Lake. Then the next day, Saturday, December the 1st at 11 a.m., uh, the 4A championship between Poplarville and Louisville. Then 3 p.m., the 2A championship between Taylorsville and Scott Central. And the 7 p.m., at 7 p.m., the 5A championship between West Jones and West Point. So right there, you have got five Pine Belt teams competing for the state championship right here in Hattiesburg, right here at the Rock. Go, if, if you get a chance to go to the games, uh, wear your Southern Miss apparel. 
just just wear your Golden Eagle apparel. Uh, support the support the players because some of these could be future Golden Eagles. True. Very good point. And yeah, five teams within. I guess what? Uh, Poplarville is like the furthest away. So yeah, I, the, I, the the furthest trip they got to make is like forty five minutes. These are all in like the WDAM viewing area. Yeah. So cool. That's awesome, man. I'm I'm so glad we got this rotation at the Rock and. You know, we spruced it up a little bit this year, which is going to make it a little bit better for all the guys. And I couldn't be happier for the players that, that you know, aspire to go to college. And some of that are currently being recruited. Um, you know, they get a chance to, to come to the Rock and, um, and see where all the memories are made and, you know, view the facilities. I'm not sure what all they get to do, but I'm sure like the entire week they kind of stay on campus, I guess. It's a great, uh, yeah, great opportunity to, to check out the campus. Great opportunity to check out the Hub City. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, other news this week, uh, Southern Miss related. Former Southern Miss head coach Larry Fedora was fired at North Carolina this week after uh, what two-win season. Um, also, Golden Eagle related news, his replacement is a former Golden Eagle assistant in Mac Brown. That's so, right. We got a, the, the double-edged Golden Eagle thing there, so pour out the Red Bull for the homie Larry Fedora. Uh <laughs> You know, for the most part, I think he was a guy that everybody appreciated around here. And, and I mean, you look at the excitement. I think his tenure was probably the most exciting time as far as the amount of fans that came out in, in Southern Miss history. Hands down. I want to say we averaged, I mean, averaged uh, 32 or so at the football games. 31, 32 in there. I think we were closer to 30. Uh-huh. Uh, but still, that's uh, pretty remarkable. Heck, like 12, I think there was like 12, 13,000 at the uh, spring game. And, yeah. Um, yeah. He vowed to, you know, fill up both sides. And that's, that guy, that's, that's one thing. I'm so glad I got to see it because now I know that it's out there, right? I know that there's coaches that can do that kind of thing. And, um, and it, it's, it's, it's nice to, um, hopefully get back to that level of excitement, um, from a fan base at some point. Um, on a, another note, special thanks to everybody who came out to my show this past weekend at Brewski's, the Mark Norman show. It was an amazing show. I mean, everybody who came out and saw him absolutely loved it. Usually when we bring comics to town, they're the best of the best. And, and Mark was no exception. Had a, had a great time at Brewski's. Got to see a lot of friends. Got to see a lot of listeners out there, actually. So good times this weekend at Brewski's. Got another show coming up at the Thirsty Hippo on Saturday. December the 29th with Sean Patton, one of the best in the biz as well. So we'll talk about that later in the show. All right. So the big news as of today, multiple sources are reporting that Southern Miss Athletic Director John Gilbert is expected to be named the new athletic director at East Carolina as soon as tomorrow. The Board of Trustees at East Carolina are meeting tomorrow at 1 p.m. That's 12 p.m. Central Time. So that meeting is expected to be the meeting that approves John Gilbert to be the new athletic director. Now, at this point, to be fair, uh, there have not been there's not been anything come out from East Carolina confirming that this is true. However, multiple media sources are confirming as such. So at this point, we fully expect John Gilbert to move on to East Carolina. So we could be back in the hunt for a new athletic director. Very, very soon. Yeah, so it has not been confirmed yet. Nothing's set in stone, but, um, you know, smoke, fire, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Um, something's got to be to it. And um, I guess let me let me start us off by saying I I, I like John. I, I think he's done a fantastic job behind the scenes. You're never going to please everybody. If you get a soft-spoken guy that's behind the scenes, they're going to want an outgoing, energetic guy. If you get an energetic guy, they're going to want somebody that gets stuff done with connections. So, you know, I'm not positive this is possible to get the entire package, but I, for one, thought John did a fabulous job. I can't believe that you would leave a job, you know, not even two years in, but I'm starting to think that's just kind of how it is these days. Um and uh, and and I and also know that that it's going to take a very special kind of person to take this Southern Miss job. I know you and I were talking about it earlier. There's so many qualifi- qualifications that that we would hope that the next candidate would embody, like having a true passion for Southern Miss, but also a guy who's super connected in the workings of the athletic department world. Um, and off the top of our heads, we really couldn't think of a qualified candidate um, that even had those two qualities, but but in to a different point, this is this is kind of this is where I start getting that Southern Miss feeling inside of me. Right. <laughs> this yeah. is why Southern Miss fans are like they are just this feisty, this us against the world attitude and mentality, because it just keeps happening. Right. Keeps happening over and over and over. Uh, and the other side of me is like, but you know what? We still have a heck of a lot to offer way more than than a lot of places uh, do. And um if we ever land on the right person uh, that has the, just the, the, the working knowledge and the passion, uh, I think that's what you're looking for. And I think it's somebody that could, that could really, you know, just take that next step from a university standpoint and a city standpoint as well. And there's, there's a lot of pieces of the puzzle that are there. We just, we, we need that one thing to happen or that one person to hire uh, that, pulls it all together. And I think, you know, hopefully, hopefully we just don't swing and miss with this next one. You know, I think that, I think that Gilbert did a a good job, uh, in, in the areas that he shines in. And there were some things that, you know, he could have, he could have done better at. And, and, and mainly the thing that he could have done better at is interacting with fans, engaging the fan base and, and letting the fan base know what was going on. But it almost feels like that chaos is comfortable now because we're so used to it. We're so, this is our mm. fourth athletic director in seven years. This is our what, how many presidents have we had even since <laughs> in the same amount of time? You know, there's been a lot of turnover in a, in a lot of places that had been stable for so long. I mean, Gene Enney was at Southern Miss for uh, 15 years. Bauer was there for, to let, 17 years. I mean, there were, there were, there were some guys that were there for a very, very long time. And then you, all of a sudden you just have this, this snowballing turnover that keeps happening. But back to John Gilbert, you know, I was thinking about, I did that podcast with the East Carolina folks, I guess a week and a half ago. And I was thinking about, you know, some of the things he's done and you really don't, a lot of fans, it's just kind of like, what have you done for me lately? What can I see? And there's a lot of things you forget about. So, I mean, if you go through the through the resume of things that he's done, they don't all seem like big things, but they're things that haven't been taken care of in a long time. You look at the stadium renovations, the the the, the sound at the rock, the sound system was it hadn't been touched since it'd been installed, so it had all kind of weather damage. And not only did we have to fix it, we had to raise the money to fix it. 
um, pressure washing the stadium, painting the stadium, the Adidas deal, that's not something that just falls in our lap. That's something that has to, there's a lot of inner, there's a lot of inner workings that go on to make something like that happen. Um, you look at us even going to the Independence Bowl last year. You know, it's no secret that ESPN was trying to wheel and deal and, and trade us off to a different bowl and bring somebody else in there to play Florida State. But kudos to John Gilbert for sticking to his guns and making it happen. I mean, even though the game didn't go the way we wanted, that was a bowl game that Southern Miss fans wanted. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like sit here and name off his entire resume. I mean, like I said, there's a lot he did behind the scenes. The last time that I met with him to do the interview, we sat in his office and he brought, he takes out this book and basically what he did with the rest of the, I guess the fundraising wing, the development wing of the athletic department, they went through and they made a list of everything they needed, every single thing that they needed. And they almost made like a catalog. So when they'd visit with donors, they'd say, you see anything in here you want to buy? So the, the new at the soccer fields, they have the, uh, the covers for the benches. Uh, somebody bought those and it came from them just looking through the book. So yeah, we'll get these. We'll get these for them. So. I wouldn't even call it thinking outside of the box, but that's just kind of some common sense stuff that makes sense. And given our situation, it makes it easier for donors to figure out what they want to give money to. So there's a lot of things that I think he did well. Uh, but at the same time, there was a disconnect between him and the fan base, between him and reaching the fan base. Not everybody connected to the emails he sent out. You know, he was very uh, reluctant to release plans until they were done. And, and Southern Miss fans like to be in the know. They like to, they like to feel like they're a part of something. So hopefully, hopefully this new athletic director, whoever it may be, will be able to embody both of those things it, and having the experience and knowledge to be able to get things done, to be able to make moves that, uh, you know, a, a, a Joe off the streets wouldn't have any clue of, of how to do. And at the same time, somebody that can energize the fan base and, you know, start to bring some excitement back into the programs. And, um, you know, it remains to be seen if we're going to get that or not, but I, I'm almost, com- I, I hate that he's leaving. I hate he's leaving so quickly, but I'm almost comfortable with it because we've always, we've, we've dealt with stuff like this for as long as I can remember. And we're probably going to deal with it for as long, for as long as we are alive, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, and like we talked about last episode, I mean, Hey, look, if it happens, you know, I, 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 I'm totally on board with the not happening or happening. I just don't care. I, I just, I, I think that, that, that we're okay. Um, the sky is not falling. And if somebody doesn't want to be around, I don't really want them around. Right. 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 And, and, uh, and I, and, and he didn't mail it in. He worked hard from the day he got here until probably the day he's going to leave. Whenever that is, he worked hard. Uh, as far as the disconnect with the fans, um, I kind of had personal experience with that last basketball game. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, and look, and, and nothing, and look, you can't deal with it. I, I mean, I was, I was pissed, right? I'm watching the game. I can't stand it. I'm tired of looking at Doc Sadler's face, you know, every single second, just getting angry at nothing and we're losing to carry. So, um, you know, I stick it out to the bitter end and then I, I reach my tipping point, uh, yell whatever I can from our seat at Doc and I'm walking out of the place. I uh, grab, you know, my two-year-old son, Jack, and my wife say, look, we're done. Let's get out of here. Uh, as I'm walking up the steps, the game's over. I'm sick and watching the carry people excited, and they're having their little moment and whatever. On some level, I'm kind of happy for the Crosstown team, but their level, it's our house, and they're not supposed to even be in the game. They're just not, right? This is the second time we've lost to them, so I'm, 
it's it's not the best time in the world for me to walk past the athletic director, but it happened. <laughs> so as I'm asking him this question, I just I walked right next to him. We're doing the alma mater. And uh, I don't even think you should do the alma mater when we lose, but whatever. Um, so he's sitting there and, and he's focused on it. And I, I say, hey, John, I got a question for you. When are you going to get this clown out of here? He doesn't blink. That, I don't, I don't, I'm not positive if you heard what I said, so I said it again. He starts to just walk away <laughs> without saying a word. I said, hey, man, you're just going to walk away. So he turns around and he says, we beat SMU this year. I was like, great, man. Look around, John. Nobody cares anymore. I was like, I've been in the same seat for like 15 years, and this is my last game. He said, I'm sorry to hear that, and he walked away, which, like I said, how's he supposed to handle the situation? You can't just say, sure, buddy. Tell you what, you want to go with me to Doc's office, and we'll fire him right now? I get it. But at the same time, he honestly just tried to just not engage at all, and – uh and and that was that, that was that was kind of disappointing to me. And and maybe he was doing that because he had one foot out the door already. I don't know. When but, you call, uh, when you called and told me that story, that's what I was thinking. I was like, what well, sounds like he's but he's never been anybody to engage. He's he's not on Twitter. He's um, you know, some of the fans. It, it, and I, I kind of figured out rather quickly that if you wrote a scathing email and and uh, kind of off. Well, first of all, you you write it. You you're just getting wacky in the email. You're not being you know, have solutions or, or being at least somewhat, I guess, professional is the word I'm looking for. He probably wasn't going to respond to it. But two, he certainly wasn't going to respond to it if he can look on there and see that you're not a donor. You know, if you're just if you're just somebody that, yeah, well, I don't I'm not giving anything to I'm not a season ticket holder. I'm not a Eagle Club member. You know, there I found that the administrators are less likely to give you their time in that case. But you're you're both of those things. So, so but he's never been somebody that can handle those type of things. Um or, or just and, and maybe it was good. Maybe it was he didn't have time for Twitter because he wanted to focus his time on other things. I don't know. But when you told me that story the other day, I was kind of like, okay, yeah, it definitely sounds like one foot is probably out the door at this point. Yeah, and, and which which like like I said, it's it's still fine. I, I I don't. I'm not even saying I wouldn't have handled it the exact same way, but you know, it definitely happened, and um, and uh, it was you know unfortunate. On my part and everybody else's part, but I'll tell you this. I was going to send him an email like you're talking about. I was going to send him an email and just kind of apologize. Say, look, you know, I probably handled it the wrong way. Uh, the passion got the best of me. Uh, I love Southern Miss to death, and that's something I'm not going to apologize for, but I probably handled it poorly, so my bad. But as soon as he's got one foot out the door, I, I'm not sending that email. I just – whatever. Let's get our new let's – get, let's get the next guy. I mean hopefully you work hard to get us into a bowl game before you go. Um, I'll give you a high five on the way out the door, but you know. it, it sounded like I, I, there was a tweet shared from the uh, one of the writers of the student prints. It was a video of him today talking about what they're trying to do to get into a into the bowl picture. So I, I would I don't think he's mailed it in just yet. I don't see that. That really, to me, doesn't seem like his character. I, agree. Uh, I would expect even if an announcement's made tomorrow, I wouldn't expect him to be out the door tomorrow. I think it's probably going to be a process as far as because and honestly, I don't think that the athletic department of the people that I spoke with last week after I first got wind of this, it didn't sound like there was any kind of any kind of really knowledge of this to, to the people that I talked to. So um, it doesn't. Let sound me like ask it, you this: like who who would who's up at that point? I mean, I mean, Pew's gone. Uh, so who are we looking at as far as if he were to walk out the door? 
to just enter them? Um, it probably would have to be somebody that is not going to throw their name in the hat. So like last time it was, um, last time it was Zach Woodfin. And that's right. Because Kent Higginauer was one of the ones that I'm sure he would have been next man up, but he wanted to interview for the job. So I can't remember who else on staff wanted to interview for the job, but you know, Ken is a guy I think is very capable. Is there any way we could just give that job to Jim Cole? (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, he gets my vote. Jim spends too much time on Twitter. You go from somebody who's not on Twitter and then he's (laughs) no, I, I, uh, so I was thinking about earlier, like the, you know, the different qualifications, everybody has their own things. And I think, one side you want some a Southern Miss person, you want somebody that's loyal. You want somebody who who has a vested interest in the success of the university. But at the same time, uh, recent experience has shown that you need experience. You need somebody with experience that can go and make these deals, get these things done that need to be done, that knows how to get things done, and knows the process and knows the channels by which to make it happen. So, ideally, you'd like to have somebody that can do both. And realistically, we could name off names right now. I could give you names I think would be solid fits. But realistically, just like every other search the past few years, we probably aren't going to have any idea who it is until the day of. I uh, I mentioned this in, in one of our in, in a thread on our Facebook page. But here's the kind of guy that I want: an industry connected, money raising. Fan energizing go getter that loves Southern Miss as much as I do. Is that too much to ask? Maybe it is. No, I don't I know. That's a very fair description. But, and, but, you know, I think they all got to fall in line right there. And I don't need somebody looking for, you know, the step up. I don't need somebody looking to be a millionaire. I, like, I need somebody that just wants to get their hand like a, like a J Hops, honestly. I mean, like, Hop doesn't mind. I mean, I wish Hop would maybe engage with the fans a little bit more, but that kind of guy, which either he's got me just completely fooled. Or he loves Southern Miss like I do, right? And not only that, uh, he paid his dues. Um, you know, it was well documented, like an Alcorn. He did everything. He was out there lying in the field. He did everything as a head coach, and he brought that mentality here. And it, it, I mean, does that make sense? Like, like somebody yeah, who, who, who just, 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 um, it, it pains them when we lose, just like it, it pains me when we lose. Uh, and at the same time. Have paid his dues, have learned the ropes, have made the connections that, that that you need to make, and you know, on top of that, if you could have if you could have both of those qualities, I'm good to go. Um, if you want to throw on top of that the ability to energize a fan base, um, that's just the trifecta. So I think that's what you're shooting for. I was thinking, earlier. I was thinking too about. I heard an interview back when he was the beat writer for two or three weeks, Nick Suss. When he was describing <laughs> Southern Miss and Southern Miss fans to an opposed to an opponent, and he said, "You know, Southern Miss is a university. It's made up of people who want to show that they belong." He's like, "These are not these aren't the type of people who, um, you know, get anything handed to them. They mm-hmm. got to go. They got to get. We got to earn everything we get. And these are people that have been looked over, and they want to show they want to show you that they belong. And I think." We need an athletic director that understands that mentality as well. And, and what I mean by that is I'm not naming any names because we're going to name his name later, but we got a head coach who repeatedly talks about how 
our basketball league is a one big league. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, what are you doing? Like, you don't understand. Like, we want, there's no reason we can't be a multiple bid league. You know, why are you, it's just something, Look, there's a disconnect even, there. Even, I remember when, uh, John Calipari, when he was at Memphis, would constantly, con- this is when they were number one in the nation for like five years straight, right? Um, I mean, at worst, top 10. Um, and time after time after time, you'd see him on, yeah, because he would get asked the same exact question. And if there's anybody who can toot his own horn at that point and say, hey, look, we're just, you know, this, that we're in the league that we're in and blah, blah, blah. You know, we, we, we wish we were somewhere else, but he didn't. He kept saying, you know what? This league is way better than people give it credit for over and over and over. He's like, we're not a one big league. We're not a two bid league. We're probably around a three bid league. And he would, he just, he said that time and time and time again. And then you get, you know, what we have now. Um, <laughs> they would rather like tweet out stuff about Iowa State and Nebraska than, uh, you know, I don't know. And we're, we're going to get into that in just a minute. But I think that the athletic director needs to understand that this is a fan base that has seen a lot of success over the years. And we've seen all of our conference mates move on. And if you look at the record books, we kicked all of their asses. Mm-hmm. And we did it in a resounding fashion. And the finances, finances, have, finances and location have been our downfall as far as where we're at. But... But location has been key to us bringing in the type of, of players that we've been able to get. So somebody that needs to, they don't need to think of us as being a G5 school. They don't need to think of us as being, you know, oh, we've got one of the lowest budgets in Division One. We're, we're always going to be, we're always going to have to be overachievers to make it. You just kind of get creative, find ways to energize the fan base. And, uh, cause you got a lot of people that want us to do well. You, we got, a, we have a core fan base that I don't know that you're going to find any other fan base that's as hardcore as our fan base is. Cause you, you have to go through a lot to be a Southern Miss fan. Yeah, man. I mean, I couldn't agree more. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's such a great spot to be in. I, I love being the underdog and I love these other teams leaving. Like you talked about the, you know, the, the other teams that have left our conference and for whatever reason, they kind of even look down on us now. I don't understand how that's possible when you look at the overall records. Um, but on the other side of the coin, I'm like, this is a great spot to be in. I love, and and I love how like they kind of act like like we re- like they really didn't lose. Like they lost, they know they lost the game, but they really didn't lose the game. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and this is over, and they're saying, well, now we're in this league, so we're better. Um, and I love that Southern Miss attitude because everybody that's hardcore, like you talked about, said, well, all right, buddy, um, let's play. You know, and 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 that's the mindset and. And, uh, to, to think that you're better than somebody else because of, because of the amount of money in your checking account is hilarious. And I'm so glad that I'm on this side. And I'm, I'm glad that I have friends like you that are kind of right there with me. And, and, uh, and I love it, man. It makes me, it, it, it gets me up and gets me going in the morning. And it makes me feel better when I go to sleep at night to be on this side of the fence. And I love it. One more thing to, we should probably mention before we move on. Um, we talk about the old rivals. So why is our athletic director going to one of our old rivals? And this is the answer lies in revenue. They've got twice the budget we've got. I'm sure his pay is going to be a lot more than it was here. I'm sure there's going to be some headaches, but there's a lot of headaches here. This is not the same job that it was 10 years ago. You know, this is a big challenge. This is not something that, um, you know, this is not easy breezy. This is something you got to come in and work at. And you're going to have to get creative to find ways to make it work 
Because this budget is our budget is slim pickings. So. But that's also that's also the challenge. I mean, somebody who really wants to do work, somebody who really, like we said, somebody's got the passion for it and the know-how and the connections. That's also, I mean, can you imagine being the guy that uh, that 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 pulls it all together, right? The reason everything's here, everything's ready. It's just nobody has ever been pulling on the rope the same direction. Um, I mean, how was it for you know? Uh, like the general manager for the Cubs, Theo Epstein, when he went there and finally won the World Series, right? Everybody said for years and years and years they could do it. Um, hadn't been done for 100 years, the curse and this and that. Uh, and that guy pulls it out. People said it couldn't be done. People are saying it can't be done here. People are saying we can't do it because of money. We can't do it because of location. We can't do it because of enrollment size. Whatever. Um, it can be done. And I'll, I'll, it's either going to happen or I'm going to die believing that Southern Miss is destined for greatness. And I, I'm not the only person that feels that way. Um, and we have to just shy away from all this talk about you can't do it because of this or because of that. Yeah, we can. And we're better than, we have it better than a lot of people would lead you to believe that we have it. And somebody's going to be able to see that. And whoever that is, 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 it, they have a leg up going in. As much as you think they have a leg down because of the revenue and all that, they're, they're, we, we have the opportunity. We have the resources available to tap into. But the problem has been tapping into it. But at least it's available, right? It's not like it's, it's, it's impossible. It's just going to be tough. And that's cool with me. All right. And one more thing. Seriously, this is the last thing before we move forward because we got a lot of show to cover. But can we knock it off? With the Jeff Bauer and John Please. and Jeff Hammond stuff. All right. Jeff Bauer, he is, he thoroughly enjoys his fishing and his golf time. Yes. He's been on the college football playoff committee. Um, I don't know that he'd want to do it, but he's been out of the loop. I mean, he's, he's, he's covering the playoffs, but as far as the inner workings of an athletic department, he's, I, I'm not sure he would have the energy at this point in his career to take on a challenge like that. Jeff Tamp, Jeff Hammond, God bless him. We all love him. One of the biggest golden eagles ever, but there were a lot of bridges that were burned and there was, there was a lot that had to be cleaned up after that. And, and some of the stuff he did was amazing. And some of the stuff really put us in a bind. So we love, I love Jeff Hammond. I, I would, I would love, I'm glad he's involved in the university in some capacity, but he's not going to come back and be the athletic director. No, I'm I'm so glad that they're part of the university, and I I felt like with Jeff Bauer, who doesn't love that guy? Wish I'd give him a hug every night and like you know him tuck me in. That's how much I love that guy, right? But uh, as far as the ex coach becoming the athletic director, uh, that ship sailed in like 1986, and it just doesn't work that way anymore. The game has changed. There's there's just uh, it is what it is, and um, I'm not saying that like that if he wanted to do it, I wouldn't have his back. But like you said, is is you know I think his his bunker game uh, would suffer way too much if he took the athletic director job, and I think that his fishing shoulder would uh wouldn't get near as sore as he likes it to be if he took the athletic director job, and I know his head would hurt a lot more. So um, that's that. Let's just yeah, let's just stop all that. That's, all right. Yeah. All right. So we've covered the athletic director. You guys know we're probably going to have to hire a new one soon. All right. Now football. Southern Miss taking on the UTEP Miners this past weekend. Golden Eagles pull out the 39 to 7 win to bring the Golden Eagles to six wins, making us bowl eligible. Six and five on the year. If you remember the Appalachian State, Appalachian State, Appalachian State, that game was canceled due to the hurricane that hit North Carolina. So looking back at this game on offense, it was a season low 
on yards passing. We only had 126 yards passing, but the reason for that is, uh, we won the turnover battle four to nothing, four turnovers to we, this is the first time this season we had no turnovers. Mm-hmm. Um, then we had a season high 252 rushing yards. Sugar Trey Mosley, 14 carries for 107 yards and one touchdown. And Stevie Sweetfeet, Stephen Anderson, 19 carries for 92 yards and a touchdown as well. So that's your, that, there's your thunder and lightning. It was so good to see us get, get that running attack going this past Saturday. Yep, those three numbers right there, uh, those two numbers, 108 and 95 between uh, Mosley and Anderson, is, uh, <laughs> you know, and I know Quez tweeted out that it was the most boring game he'd been a part of or something, and I tweeted right back saying, well, I hope we have about 12 more of them just like that next year. Uh, I could get used to that, man, watching um, just the butt kicking like you talked about and eating up the clock. The game was over in under three hours. Do you know that? Yeah, yeah, it was pretty Under swift. three hours. I mean, that's incredible. So, yeah, I love it. It was great. I want to do it some more. And not to, not to like, I don't like talking about other teams, but th- that game was done in three hours. So after that game, I went and did the show, and we started the show at halftime of the LSU Texas A&M game. I was in bed, and the in the that game, I looked on Twitter, and that game was still going on. <laughs> that's right. It was like, what, like seven, seven overtimes? Overtime. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's like that, you had, I think it was like 147 points because I did the mouse. Like, oh man, I wonder what the over was in this game and what it actually ended up being. But anywho, uh, we're not talking about that. Hey, I'd say another, another number from that game that really stuck out to me, the number five. You know what the number five represents from the UTEP game? I do not. How many times we sacked their quarterback? There you go. Or is that, remember, you remember like our third show, the second or third show of the football season? I think we had two sacks. We're like, what is the deal? How are we dominating defensively and not sacking anybody? Um, so I don't know. Maybe UTEP was the worst football team in the history of football, or maybe we finally put it all together. I don't know. I don't know which one, but I'm glad it happened. I think that that is a combination of UTEP is not good at football, and two, I think that there's a lot of our um, we drop a lot back in coverage. We try to mm-hmm. confuse people with the way we do coverages. And it's very rare that we bring the house, you know. Um, so usually we're rushing three or four linemen. The sacks are going to be a little tougher to come by, but you know, hopefully they can figure that out and get because we need more of them. Um, but we talk about defense. So we had four turnovers. Three of those were interceptions. Kyle Hemby had two interceptions. Rashawn Mitchell with another interception took it all the way back to the house for a pick six. That was amazing. We held the Miners to 187 total yards of offense, and like most of that came on the last play of the game. <laughs> we yeah. had 73. We only gave up 73 yards rushing, 114 yards passing. So, yeah, wow. the Miners – and I thought the Miners, there's a couple of times this season they snuck up on people. Like Louisiana Tech, uh, they might could have come away with that game. But uh, we pretty much stuck it to them, and – Got the win, got bowl eligibility. So, hops three seasons here. We got bowl eligibility all three years. And I don't know about you, but I don't take bowl eligibility for granted after what we went through from 2012 to 2014. Not at all. Not at all. And with, uh, and I would like to still think that we have a leg up on the six win teams because we have one less loss. Hopefully that plays into it. I mean, six and five is a little bit more attractive than a six and six team that's going to end up leaving your bowl game with a losing record, right? I don't know. I, 
I, I'd I, like to think that that's that maybe that plays a little bit of a part. I think even a bigger role is, is the is the um, secondary tie-ins for the conference. I think that is where the answer will lie on whether or not we get a bowl. I feel good about our chances in bowl. The majority of the bowl projections have us in bowls. Um, I think ESPN was one of the only few that I saw that didn't. Uh, so yeah, and they're the ones that are putting the bowls together. So you can't feel good about that. But let's just run down uh, the. Um, the situation for Conference USA when it comes to bowls. So we have seven bowl-eligible teams. In the conference bylaws, the teams that have seven or more wins are going to get first preference. There are six of those. Per conference regulations, all teams with seven or more wins shall be placed into conference bowls prior to any other bowl-eligible teams without a winning record. And that's where it gets kind of tricky because we're six and five. We still have a winning record. Mm. But somehow it still seems like we fall in that six-win category. All right. So Conference USA has six bowl tie-ins with two secondary agreements. The two secondary agreements are the walk-on independence bowl. That's conditional if the ACC or SEC can't fill a spot. And the DXL Frisco Bowl. That's conditional if the American Athletic or MAC can't fill a spot. So the six games with tie-ins. And, and I'm going to read off the projections as well. So the first game, the New Mexico Bowl. That's going to be on December 15th. Patrick McGee of the Sun-Herald and Athlon both have us projected to take on Nevada. Then the next conference game is the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. And that game will be played. Uh, the opponent will be the Sun Belt champion, regardless of who Conference USA sends to that bowl. That will be um, either App State or Louisiana Lafayette. I'm not. They're not dropping the Lafayette. Then the Tart Cherry Bowl on 12-18, December the 18th, uh, versus the AAC. Uh, Eric Single of Sports Illustrated has projected Tulane versus Southern Miss. Bill Bender of Sporting News has projected Eastern Michigan versus Southern Miss. Then the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl versus the AAC. And, and this Gasparilla Bowl, in addition to the First Responders Bowl, we're only going to get one of those two. Now, if, if other people can't meet their requirements, we could get both of them. But uh, as the way the conference bylaws are right now, the conference gets either or on those bowls. That's why we only have six tie-ins. So the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl against the AAC. Jerry Palm of CBS Sports has Southern Miss taken on Cincinnati. And Eric Smith of USA Today has Virginia Tech projected against the Golden Eagles. So you're kind of seeing a trend here with former conference mates, it seems. Then uh, on December the 21st, the Bahamas Bowl, that lineup is already set, FIU versus Toledo. So that takes out one of the conference people and sticks them in a bowl. Uh, and then the next bowl on uh, December 22nd, the Hawaii Bowl, uh, Louisiana Tech is rumored to be headed to Hawaii to take on Hawaii. So those two destination bowls apparently out of the mix for the Golden Eagles. So uh, we're more rele uh, relegated to stops in Louisiana, Texas, and Florida. All right. The next bowl on the day after Christmas, the Serve Pro First Responders Bowl. This is in Dallas. Stuart Mandel of the athletic has BYU projected to take, to take on the golden Eagles. So that those seven games are the ones that have tie-ins to the conference and the Gasparilla and first responders bowl could be either or. All right. So some other bowls out there that could be possibilities. 
The sporting news has Southern Miss projected to take on Boise State in the Las Vegas Bowl. The uh, Also another bowl that could be a possibility, the Cure Bowl in Orlando. That game will be against the Sunbelt runner-up, whether it be App State or Louisiana Lafayette. And then also the Birmingham Bowl. Now these are, are bowls that have other tie-ins that may not be met, and there's always instances where trades could be made. So let's say, let's say that uh, the walk-on Independence Bowl, for example, let's say that they can't fill their spots, so they have to go, you know, with the second-year agreement with Conference USA. Let's say Conference USA decides to make a trade with the Birmingham Bowl, so they send, let's say, Vanderbilt to Independence Bowl, they send Southern Miss to Birmingham. That's how that kind of thing would work. So this is going to be a very fluid situation. We are probably not going to have any clue about where we are going until Sunday, maybe Saturday night at the earliest. So there's, there's, you, you know, usually with these bowls, we usually have at least somewhat of an idea, but I don't think we're going to have a clue unless the cars just start falling different places. It's really tough for me to go ahead and book my room. <laughs> Right. In this scenario, uh, my wife keeps asking, like, am I booking the room in New Orleans or am I booking the room in Birmingham? I'm like, look, uh, no, <laughs> you know, I can't. I mean, what do you want me to do? Um, I can't see the future. There's I mean, I think you listed off like six different writers who do this for a living that have us pegged for six different venues. So um, I'm not even going to begin to try and decipher that code. But uh, if I have my pick. For if I have a pick for where I wanted to go city wise, I'm going to New Orleans, just like everybody else probably. If I have my pick as to um the matchup listed that I that that I would most like to go watch, it'd be Birmingham versus Memphis. Um so but hey, I just hope we get picked for one. And wherever we go, I'm glad that we're going to get the practice time and, uh, you know, the bowl payout and all that. I mean, I'm glad the kids are going to get to go and celebrate um, really the journey that this season was um, after becoming bowl eligible. Um, I think it would put a punctuation mark on on uh, 2018 for Southern Miss football. But at the same time, if, if it doesn't happen, I mean – I guess I get it. You know, there's too many bowls. I mean, there's not enough bowls for bowl eligible teams. I understand. So basically this weekend you want UCF to win. That puts them into the mix for the New Year's Day bowls and takes a spot away from the AAC. Also, Marshall's taking on Virginia Tech. If Marshall could beat Virginia Tech, that would be great. Um, but I, I think – Would that leave know, Virginia the, Tech at five? Yeah, that would leave Virginia Tech okay. at five. So they have to beat Marshall to mm-hmm. – uh, and it, what if they would played us? It would pretty much be like a – It'd be like a playoff game to go to a bowl if we if we schedule the game with them. That's true. Wow. It. Yeah. Um, but okay. So just some chatter between me and colleagues. UAB seems like they may be headed to Boca Raton, Tart Tart Cherry Bowl. But the way it works is the conference they try to accommodate the conference champion. So. If, if let's say we don't have the Independence Bowl, I would think one of them's going to New Orleans and the other one's going to the Cherry Bowl. To the Cherry Bowl. But if there's a situation where Independence Bowl becomes available, like one of the projections I saw had UAB taking on Miami in the Independence Bowl. If that happens, you know that's going to open up one of those spots. Maybe that sends uh, Middle Ten to the Tart Cherry Bowl, and maybe that that opens up with with Louisiana Tech not being in the mix anymore. Maybe that opens up. A way for Southern Miss to get back into the New Orleans Bowl. 
you know? Right. Well, and that's what, you know, it happened opposite last year when we took that spot, when it opened up in Shreveport. Once we took that, it opened up a spot for one of those Conference USA tie-ins for a team that might not have got a spot, right? It's kind of like we're just on the other side of it now, so that's that's a that's a lot. That that's a <laughs> um, we talked about having a headache earlier. That gives me one, but there's so many possibilities. It it it, it seems like there's I don't know. I, I I don't feel like it's an extreme long shot. No, I don't. I don't think so either. I think I think the key are the secondary agreements. That's where this lies. If these other conferences can't meet. You know, it's not like you can just if you have the secondary agreement, I don't know that you can necessarily just like kick somebody out. And, you know, there would have to be some kind of wheeling and dealing made. So because of our times, because the, the Southeastern Conference clearly is not going to fill their spot in the Independence Bowl, you know. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens from here on out. Um, I guess let's move forward because I think we've talked for a while and we still haven't even got to basketball yet. So. If you listen to the show regularly, if you've listened to us since we started, you know, we try to usually keep a positive outlook. And even when things don't go our way, like we, we lose to a ULM in football, it's like a lot of times you can make sense of it. And a lot of times you can understand what happened. But there comes a certain point where the excuses run out. And for us, that happened this past weekend. So, I'm not going to go into details of the game, but let's just run through what happened this, this past week. All right. So November 20th, Golden Eagles in the Cancun challenge fell to North Florida, 64 to 48. It was a tough game, came out flat, never got anything going. North Florida just came out and took the game from us. Those kind of games happen. I get it. They're a division one team. All right. The next day, Southern Miss defeated Western Carolina, 68 to 63. Tough game. Maybe they had a little too much fun at the beach. I get it. They still came out, bounced back and won a game there at the Cancun challenge. Then on Sunday, November 25th, it all came to a head. The Golden Eagles fell to NAIA school and crosstown, I don't even call them a rival, but crosstown opponent William Carey defeated the Golden Eagles 78 to 72. The Golden Eagles are currently four and two. And I think I looked on the RPI on Warren Nolan and it almost like that William Carey game didn't affect our RPI one way or the other when I looked. So, but still, okay. William Carey, all time. Southern Miss played him 12 times. Southern Miss is 10 and two against William Carey. Let's, let's just go down the list here. All right. 2003, Golden Eagles win 91 to 59. 2004, Golden Eagles win 90 to 46. 2005, 90 to 57. 2007, 86 to 60. 2008, 69 to 44. 2009, 74 to 57. 2012, 89 to 59. 2013, 99 to 53. Then the next year, Southern Miss won 86 to 63 in 2014. We had to later forfeit that game. That was the first year of Doc. Then Doc, Doc's second year, the first time we lose to William Carey, the first time in history we lose to William Carey, 78 to 84. The next year he bounces back. We beat him pretty good, 75-58. And then here in his fourth season and what should be, you know, his best team yet, we fall to William Carey, 72 to 78. So Doc is two and two versus the Crusaders. And that is unacceptable and unfathomable. Yeah, and at some point, I would I would like to 
I would just like to ask because there's there, there I can't believe it, but during my little outburst uh, at the game, um, several fans started to question, you know, me on why I was yelling at Doc and why I was asking him, is it, hey, is it still Tyndall's fault and what's your excuse now? Why don't you play our best players? These are the teams you beat by 30. Um, I, I would like to ask these people, at what point does your patience wear thin? I, you, I mean, look, man, I I think that if it gets to the point to where I'm the guy uh, jumping off the boat, I'd like to I'd like to say that I'm almost the captain. I'm going to go down with the ship. Um, but, I, you know, th- that was my tipping point. I know that you had your tipping point a while back, and I really missed the days of you and I sitting next to each other. Uh, in the games, and not to mention, like, I don't know, like another four or 5,000 people sitting around us, which hadn't happened in a while. Uh, and I'm not blaming Doc for all of that. I am blaming Doc for uh, ever getting hired. Well, I guess I can't blame Doc for getting hired, but I blame, you know, Bill, I guess, is who I'm blaming for, for, for hiring that guy. I thought he was a bad fit from the jump. Um, he's yet to create any kind of buzz. There's zero buzz around the town. There's zero buzz. I, I, I would venture to say if you walked around campus and just asked a common student if there was or was not a game that day, I think they would probably say, we still play basketball. You know, um, it's, it's a it's a bad situation, and it's just continued to get worse. And I, I would honestly like to know what in the hell it takes to get fired around here. You know? What, wow. in the world, what, what, what could you possibly do? What, what what in the world do you have to do anymore to get fired? And here's another little tidbit. For those of you out there that you know think Doc's even done half a decent job, which he hasn't. For those of you, let me ask you this. Do you think that that guy has deserved um, um, you know, over a million dollars since he arrived in Hattiesburg? Just what's on the books. He is at $350,000 per year, and good for him, right? If I had three hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, people could, you know, laugh at me and go on podcasts and, you know, mock me all they wanted to. I get it, but uh, so since he's been here at three fifty plus, that's over a million dollars. Even if every fan had just paid one dollar to go to all the games, do you think that a million fans have gone to the games since he's been in town? I sure as hell don't. And it's 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 getting to the point to where, and it's not just me. Former players have come out and said it too. It's stealing money, and. You know, the the super bad thing is I'm sure my Twitter feed is going to just pile up with people just hating all over me. And once this team actually I don't think wins it will. Games, I, I, it's, it's like three people. Yeah, it, because and, and, and I, I genuinely hope that uh, that the players know that this is not directed at them at all. In fact. That's one of that's one of the last things that I was holding on to. People like Cortez. How many times have I talked about Cortez on this show? Love him. Love that guy. I love watching him play. I love what he can do. I wish he had a coach that would push him to that next level. It's never going to happen. But, you know, I love it. I love watching that guy play basketball. And I love a lot of our new guys. I love Dominic McGee. I love TG. I love Drain. Drain's parents sit right behind me at the – well, where I used to sit at the games because I'm not going anymore until this current regime is gone. But – uh it, it it's it, it's it's the last stage that you get to, and um and and I I just I can't do it anymore. So I'm out. I hate I really hate to be that guy. I do, but I can't go there anymore and watch him do stuff on the sideline. I can't watch him walk around. I can't watch him get mad for no reason. I can't watch. Um, I can't like listen to the conversation that's going on 
75 feet to my right because there's nobody in between us. It's sad. And it literally breaks my heart to have to watch Spoon sit there on the sideline and go through this crap. It does. It it just breaks my heart straight into that a beloved former player, just an icon in, uh, in not only Southern Miss basketball, but heck, NBA history, 13-year career. This guy's got to sit there and watch Doc go through his crazy-ass antics. And, uh, you know, yeah, so that's my tipping point, and I'm done. And I know that the team has the ability to do some good things, and I fully expect them to go on some sort of run at some point because we do take a whole bunch of threes, and we got some good shooters, and we're going to catch some teams on off nights, and we still have the ability to win. I'm not going to give credit to Doc for any of that. You can't run the weave and just chuck it up at the buzzer and – you know, that call that an offense. Um, but I hope for the best. Uh, you know, maybe they'll, maybe everybody will prove me wrong and, and they'll go to dancing and like make it to the sweet 16. But, uh, I, I just, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't even see a, I, I don't see more than 15, 16 wins, honestly. Go, go back and listen to the previous episodes. I, it's not like we weren't, like we didn't, it's not like we, want this team to lose. It's not like we want this guy to lose. Mm-hmm. He's done it himself. Like you look back to, I, I like to think that there's a, a good core group of fans that have a good gauge on how a coach is going to do. And usually you can tell from the right when they're hired, the way they handle the press conference, the way they handle themselves. And I think that Bill McGillis, no one knew doc from way back when they were friends. He thought that the Southern Miss fans would go for this bumpkin who come in here and talks like a high school linebacker coach and everybody would get on board with it. And the older white fans did not all of them, but that is the core backing of doc Sadler are the older white fans. And so we get a guy that's hired. So doc, okay. Before he was hired at Southern miss, let's just look at that. Cause there were, there was, there was no NCAA investigation. There was nothing. So doc spent time at UTEP. He spent time at Nebraska during that time. He had, one appearance in the NCAA tournament. That was his first year at UTEP. So probably didn't in, probably inherited somebody else's players. Only time he's ever made the NCAA tournament. He gets to Nebraska. It was mediocre milk toast the entire tenure there, and they had to fire him. He made it to the NIT. Let's see, one, two, three times. Never made it past the second round. Um, but you're at Nebraska, who has way more resources than we do. So we hire him at Southern Miss. And I get the, I get the investigation. I get the horror that the basketball program had to go through. But during that whole time, it was almost like a built in excuse. And it still is a built, it shouldn't be a built in excuse this year, but it's a built in excuse. Uh, what happened? And, and hey, it is, it is a legitimate excuse, but at the same time, we need somebody who that doesn't matter to and they're going to keep moving, trying to move Southern forward. What Doc does, is he runs the same, he, he, he's run that damn man defense. And when it probably would be a better fit personnel wise to run the, the zone that we had run before, or at least mix it up and match it up. Um, he's stubborn. He thinks he knows it all. He is arrogant. If you read some of his comments, the whole first year at Southern Miss, he was tweeting about Iowa State, Nebraska, like when we started to tank that first year, there were reporters out of Iowa State that were talking about Doc had been watching the Iowa State games and sending reports back to them. Uh, it looks like a slob. 
the 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 players the first couple of years I was here they they uh they just came out looking sloppy they didn't look like they were even prepared for warm up drills and then towards the end of the season they'd put forth some effort into a game or two they'd win it pull it out and everybody think would, would think everything's hunky dory but this is not a guy that's going to go that extra level he cares about basketball that's it and I'm not so sure the game hadn't passed him by and I'm not so sure that he knows what it takes to win here with the type of players he's going to get. Maybe he was a great coach at one point, but it, it's over with. Uh, and everybody would tell you that. And obviously, we're both angry about this. Cause we feel so passionately about it. But um, every, I mean, I, I'll probably have less energy at my job when I'm 50 or 50 plus than I do right now. Right. It's just it just goes along with the territory. And as far as winning here at Southern Miss, this Southern Miss basketball job, we've talked about it before. It might be the toughest job that there is it really might because you're at a football school you play in a dump of an arena um it's fan base that literally only cares when you're outstanding not even when you're just mediocre and sometimes when you're outstanding it doesn't even matter see james green sharing a conference title with uh was a cincinnati uh back when conference usa might have been like the third best conference in the in the country nobody came to those games either it's not easy I think that at least 50 to 60% of the job at Southern Miss in football and basketball and every women's sport is engaging the fan base and being able to energize the fan base and, and getting people excited about coming to watch you play. Um, Southern Miss fans, for the most part, need a nudge in the right direction. And, and it's a lot easier to, to, to pick out what's wrong with a coach than what's right with a coach. I get that. But this is your – is this your four or five for Doc? Is it, is it his fifth? I think it might be his fifth year. They all just okay. run together because you're just like a big, you know, just blurry crap spot. But um, but no, man, it's, it, like, it goes back to it just probably should have never been hired. Um, but I do remember when he was hired. And, I mean, when you said to start this thing off that we hadn't always bashed him, we didn't. Um, in fact, you kind of talked me into liking him more. Uh, coming from coming from Fred Hoiberg at Iowa State, who, like, led the nation in offense for two or three straight years, and he was supposedly a defensive guru. So you're thinking to yourself, well, we're giving this guy another shot at head coaching. It's his third shot at it. Um, he just learned from the best offensive guy around, who Hoiberg then went to the Chicago Bulls. Um, and you combine that with a defensive guy. So in our minds, we're thinking, holy crap. So we're getting like a Tyndall offense and, uh, James Green defense. Awesome. <laughs> uh, hadn't exactly panned out in that regard. And, you know, I, I, I would, I would just like to know, like I said, I, I would just like to know, like, like I didn't listen to the post game presser the other day because I couldn't stomach it. But the only four words that I would like to hear out of Doc's mouth are I'll show myself out. And I doubt he said those words. No. And I, I he's too uh, he doesn't realize that he's the problem. He legitimately does not realize he's a problem. And I'm not going to go. I'm all for the play. But I get angry when I watch him and the way he conducts himself and the way he handles. I get angry when I see him just being a slob and mm -hmm. just taking the. I mean, this is. A, I understand why John Gilbert gave him the extension last year. There were a lot of people clamoring for it. He beat uh, 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 one of the better teams in the conference, 
It felt like things were looking up, and it felt like the, coming in the season, everybody acted like this was going to be the year we were going to ha- be have a chance to make a run. Oh and man, I, I bought in. I bought in. I did too. And uh, and I then I <laughs> I kind of had an inkling to begin with, and then I saw the North Florida game. I said, well, you know, things happen. North Florida's pretty good. Florida Gulf Coast is in that league, and they went to like the Elite Eight or something a couple of years ago. Um, then I started seeing a trend, and then you cap it off with that carry loss. Come on. Come on, that, that's just that, that's 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 the, that's the straw that breaks the camel's back. And I think even he might have been surprised that he made it to the locker room before getting canned. And it just pisses me off to no end that that people like me have to that love Southern Miss and would die for it. I'm almost become the villain in this thing after like getting in a confrontation with the people in the stands yelling at Doc. I got people on Twitter hitting me up left and right that they think I'm handling it the wrong way. Man, I'm not the problem. If anything, I'm the solution. As far as when, if you're, if you're this mad about something that you care about as passionately as you and I care about it, the best thing you can do is show your displeasure. When the biggest disappointment the other day is that there weren't more people pissed off because the apathy set in. They just don't care anymore. Yeah. You know, that's the big thing. And, 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 and the only way it's going to get better is you think about how many people voice their opinions in regards to Ellis Johnson and you think about how many people quit coming to games. And pull their support. And I, I'm, I, I love the players. I, I think we got a solid group of players that, that, sh, that, I mean, I, I don't know who said this to me the other day, but you think about this. What if you take Southern Miss and William Carey and switch coaches? Do they still beat us? Hmm. No. You know, that's a fair question. <laughs> so, I, I mean, you I know, think, you know, Carey wasn't even full strength. Yeah. They had a starter out. It's embarrassing. We should never have this kind of. You lose to them once, that should have been enough. You lose to them twice, that's definitely enough. And I don't care who you beat this year. I don't. I don't expect us to make a. We're not getting past Marshall. So oh my God. do yourself a favor and stay home for that one, kids. And look at this. Okay, let's look at this. Okay, I know we had the sanctions the past few years, but we're kind of getting into the end of that run. So 2015. Doc was two and thirteen against top two hundred RPI competition. Beat North Dakota State at ninety four and UTEP at seventy four. UTEP should be a given given Tim Floyd's track record here at, at Reed Green. And then we were five and seven versus two hundred plus RPI teams. Twenty sixteen, two wins against the top two hundred. We went two and ten, defeating ODU at one sixteen and North Dakota State at one thirty three. And then we were five and ten versus the two hundred plus RPI. Then 2017, we were 1 and 12 against the top 200 RPI teams, defeating Marshall, who was 108, and then we were 6 and 10 versus the 200 plus RPI. Then last year, we had one win, one win against the RPI 200 in Middle Tennessee State in the conference tournament. They were 27, amazing. And then we were 11 and 3 versus the RPI 200 plus. That's progress. So you think, okay, well maybe we're. I wouldn't have given in the extension off of that one win. One two one in fifteen against the RPI top two hundred. To me, that doesn't warrant it. But this has been a piss poor job. I mean, and there's no and and I've talked to people on staff who'd say they come to him with ideas and he shoots them all out. He does not want to be the person that we need. He does not want to do anything other than coach basketball. He doesn't want to do anything to try to engage the fan base. You gotta have a coach here who wants to do what it takes to get the fans to come out and support the team, who wants to engage with the fans, who doesn't sit on his ass in sweatpants eating M&Ms all the time. <laughs> I mean, it really like, like I don't, I before I didn't really care for the guy, but 
at least I wanted him to do well. I wanted us to, I wanted him to turn it around. I wanted us to do well, but this is unforgivable. He's got to go. At some point, everybody, like we started this off with saying, like, you know, when does your patience wear thin and kind of when do you reach your tipping point? I was thinking earlier today, uh, have you ever heard, uh, I'm sure you have the five stages of grief or what's the five stages of grieving or whatever it is? Yeah. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance, right? Uh, well, I'm going to break it down doc style. Uh, step one, let's see how it goes. Like you and I talking about it, hey, the Hoiberg connection, defensive guru. Um, it's going to be tough because we got these sanctions, but tell you what, let's give the guy a shot. And it goes into, well, tell you what, we're going to have to give him a couple years. He just got here, learning the landscape, um, whatever. Uh, then you move on to stage three. Okay, this might have been a bad move, <laughs> right? Uh, at least it has to be going through your head. Like, man, I tell you what, I thought we'd be further along at this point. Um, I'm going to watch these games, and not only does nobody care, nobody's going. And it doesn't seem like the players really have a clue what's going on out there. I can tell they're good players. I can tell they're good athletes. But uh, it's, it's not exactly panning out. Leads us to step four. Um, where you're kind of done with the coach, but you still are going to give it all you can because the players, right? You love the players. You don't want to give up on these guys. Kind of like my relationship with, uh, with Cortez. Um, and then you finally reach that fifth stage, which is just man, enough is enough. You know, I'm out. I can't take it anymore. I hope the players understand, but I'm out. And I think most fans are at least down to that number four range at this point where they're kind of done with the coach but still love the players. Anybody who's not to that point and actually goes to the games, and there's some people that sit around me that are like that. Uh, I, I, I don't I don't I I don't understand and I don't want them to be mad. Like I'm mad. I don't want them to be angry. Uh but I I, I surely they want the program to move forward. And at this point, after watching this crap for the last four years I don't. It's it's pretty apparent that it's not going to move forward, right? Well, you think about you think about the players we got this year, and then you think about what we got coming back next year. So so we're losing to William Carey this year. Ooh. I mean, we got some good young talent, but you're losing what Cortez, Tyree. I mean, come on, Dom, right? Dom's yeah, gone. yeah, Dom's gone. So Holland, Holland's yeah. gone. So what do you what do you think's going to happen? You think it's going to get better? I mean. I'm, I'm so glad we got the, in, the younger in-state talent, but it, it's, it's not going to happen overnight. And I think that too, you know, you talk about, so I, I look at like tweets from like Munkin supporting Doc last year, you know, uh, Kent Hagen. Baffles me. Well, no, this is the thing. I think that there's something likable about the guy. If you get, you get to know him, obviously. If you just, if you're one of these people that hasn't been around Southern Miss and you haven't seen, uh, what we're able to do. You haven't seen people do what it takes for Southern Miss to win. If you haven't seen that stuff, you just think, oh, we play in the yurt. We just got off probation. There's no reason we should expect any success at this point. And, but some of these people that know him, you know, John Gilbert, I asked him about it when we did the interview a while back and he said, yeah, he said, I felt, I saw Doc's practices and I felt like things are going in a good direction. I totally get why you would renew it. I wasn't for it, but I totally get why you would renew the contract. I hate it because we're in the situation we're in now. But the people there, he, I think some of the staff have got too close to him and it's more like a friendship. I think back to when I was in high school when the coach at my high school, you know, was horrific 
But I heard one of the parents like, oh, but three of the players just gave their lives to the Lord because of him. And I was like, this is the same guy in driver's ed who was showing me where the, the houses where he used to have orgies in college. Like, <laughs> next thing you know, we fire him, we get a new coach, the team starts winning. And you can listen to early in the show and, and get, do the math on who I'm talking about. But, um, oh, and then too, so, so after the game of the day, we just, the gloves are off. Mm-hmm. We went in on Twitter and I'm not going to be that every day. I'm not going to sit there and just bash the guy all the time, but the criticism is more than warranted at this point. And one of his GAs starts shooting at the mouth that off at us. You don't understand what Doug, you don't understand what he's done. No, I perfectly understand. You don't understand. You don't, it, he could, if, if he didn't win a game, but you could tell that he cared and that he was, the things were moving in the right direction. Look at the way people responded to Todd Munkin. Everybody would be on board with him. But there's a reason why the stands are empty, and it's because of his demeanor and because of the fit. He's a terrible fit here. He needs to go back to a program he can be proud of and be an assistant coach where he can shine. And that it really comes down to that, doesn't it? He just doesn't yeah. give a damn. I, at least I, if he does give a damn, I, why in the world do I not know if he gives a damn or not? I don't even know, which leads me to believe that he doesn't. But because, I'd, like to, he, I'd like to think that I'm somewhat of a Sutter Miss expert, and uh, I, I, I've not once shook the guy's hand, or he's not once even just, to my knowledge, made an effort to uh, engage anybody. So I guess that's the biggest thing, that Todd Munkin thing. I, I guess that sticks out to me, what you just said, because he was 3-9, and nine and everybody loved him to death. You could tell that the program was moving forward. Um even after losses, probably losses that we shouldn't have lost. We we're still kind of okay with it. And I, I'm going to throw something out. I'm, I realize I'm throwing a lot of stuff out here at one time, but I had a, you know, I kind of got to know one of the, I'd say, candidates for head coaching job past couple of times. Mm-hmm. Had a conversation with him uh, before, you know, the last time. I don't, I'm not sure he even got an interview, which makes me think that uh, Bill McGillis pretty much had his mind made up of what direction he was going to go. But this guy was talking about this guy is a hell of a recruiter and and has gone on to tremendous success as an assistant coach. And he was talking about, you know, we need to get a DJ in there. We need more excitement. We need and, and it's like we need that social media stuff going all the time. Like he understood the marketing and the outreach it was going to take to light the fire under the fan base and and and, and maximize the excitement you could have in the greenhouse. And this guy just showed just waddles in. And like, like we're lucky to have him. And if you recall, he interviewed, I know he interviewed at what FAU. Nobody's given this guy, oh, uh, just a, a glimmer of a wink at being a head coach anywhere else. He's had offers to be assistant coaches at Alabama, but nobody's offering this guy a head coaching position. Mm-mm. No. Yeah. And oh, man, it's so frustrating. But it's uh, I I'm kind of kind of miss going to basketball games, but I I can't watch it anymore. I just can't do it. So hey, if I'm, anybody out there needs any tickets to any games for the remainder of the year, uh, hit me up. I got two tickets for whatever you need. And if you go if you if you go to the games, God bless you. Hey, I'm 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 not opposed to you going to games. I just for myself personally, I'm not going, and I'm not I'm not supporting this guy. Uh, we're not going to talk about it, basketball anymore on the show. There's just no reason to. Um, I hopefully administration will realize that they made a mistake and you really can't afford to keep this guy. That's what it's going to take for us to make a move. So yeah, yeah p- people say we can't afford the buyout. We can't afford not to do it. We just can't. 
So I'm sure who, somebody on that bench would love to take the reins. I mean, love it. Could it possibly be any worse? I'm not sure. I mean, losing to William Carey not once but twice, no, it can't be any worse. Yeah. So anyway, unacceptable. All Off right. My so, chest. so I was kind of hoping that we'd get to bowl season, we'd get our bowl, and me and you could take a break. But it seems like we're going to have to do a few more episodes before we get a little break. <laughs> and, right. Uh, so just a timeline. So Saturday, you got a lot of the football games happening that's going to determine where the bowls are going to be. I'm sure if you keep up on social media, you'll start to see the cards fall Saturday night. They'll start falling uh, midday on Sunday, and then I believe there's going to be – there's always a special where they announce the bowls, and that's where everything kind of comes together. So Sunday, this Sunday coming up, I believe that's December the 2nd, we should know what, either A, whether or not we're going, and B, where we are going bowling if it happens. Um, like I said, tomorrow it's expected that John Gilbert's going to be announced as the new athletic director at East Carolina. So I would imagine that he would probably stay on in some capacity to finish out the year. Then perhaps they name an interim AD after they do a search. I would imagine around February, hopefully they will have a new athletic director in place and we can move forward. Like you mentioned earlier, Stephen Pugh is gone. The, uh, who is assistant athletic director in charge of marketing. I would imagine that position is not going to be filled until uh, after the new AD hires and can bring in his people. So um, there's going to be a timeline on that, uh, which marketing has been a little suspect anyway, so I wouldn't expect it to get any better. But that's what you're going to be dealing with. You're going to be dealing with these in uncertainty that we're so normal with at this point. But I, I encourage everybody to write emails, whether they respond or not, write emails voicing your displeasure with the basketball situation and write emails encouraging and, and listing off the qualities that you think are uh, necessary in a new athletic director. And also mention, you know, okay, if, if you, if you let dot go, here's what I'll do. I'll up my, I'll join the, the, um, I'll jump, join the hardwood club. I'll get right. season tickets. Tell them what you will do once that's done. And, 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 and we're, and we're and sending to these it. to Dr. Bennett. I'd send it to Dr. Bennett. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, hell, I'd send it to John Gilbert at this point <laughs> on, on basketball. Not that anything's going to be made, but Dr. Bennett's the main one at this point until an, an AD is hired. Definitely on the AD. Well, I would do both to, to him. I would, you know, and I don't know if he reads it. But on the off chance that he does read them and go through them, he needs to have an idea of what. The, and don't be don't be dicks about it. Yeah, d- d- don't don't go me at the basketball game. Definitely go Jamie with the email. Because uh, if if you if you're you know just if you handle it reckless, then the email's gonna be deleted and not gonna, even taken you, seriously. You, yeah, you're not gonna get taken seriously. So if be respectful. But definitely fill that email box up. Fill it yeah. up. Yeah. If you're passionate uh, about Southern Miss, if you love it, it takes two minutes. Thumb out an email. Yeah, and don't let anybody don't let anybody who uh, don't let anybody tell you that that you're not a real fan unless you're 100 percent on board with Doc. No, we were on board. Doc is not 100 percent on board with Southern Miss, and his job performance, his attitude, uh, and I really, honestly, I'm saying this. I think that he's taken what Donnie Tyndall did, and he's dug the hole even deeper. Yeah, could not agree more. It, somehow we are actually good and good players. <laughs> so yeah, so we we we've really got the hard part out of the way. 
He's made some uh, decent it's, assistant, it's, assistant it's, coach hires. Yeah, it's the easy part that we're just completely whiffing on, and uh, which is just you know, I don't know things like running a defense that fits your team, or uh, you know, trying your hardest to get people to come watch. If, if we're really hoping that the next guy can do, or we're really hoping that well, not the next guy can do it, but we, that's what we're just that's what we need, right? Just some guy who's gonna coach his ass off. And then tries ass off to get people in the stands. I want Is that co- too much to ask for being a millionaire? I want a I coach. Think. I want a coach that doesn't treat this like every time we hire a coach that treats Southern Miss like a retirement job. These are the results we get. I want somebody who treats it as a stepping stone because I want them to go all in on it. I want them to want to go somewhere else and then hopefully build the program to a point where people aren't moving on as quickly. But you're not stability would be ideal, but at the same time, realistically the results aren't going to change. Couldn't agree more, man. Get that guy. Get that young guy, man. Get that get, get that guy who's, you know, he's been an assistant. And maybe he got a little junior college head job or something, and he's like 31 years old, and he's he's ready to break all of Coach Krzyzewski's records. He's just, you know, he's, he, he's going to throw a pillow down in the office, and he's never going to leave, and he's just always in the film room. And, um, you know, give me that guy. Give me that guy every single time instead of this retirement home. <laughs> All right, dude, I guess let's just shut it down. <laughs> yeah. You guys, you guys can follow us on Twitter at to the top talk. You can follow me at Jamie underscore Arrington. You can follow Jason at bumper J Bailey. Facebook as well. Instagram to the top talk. Great stuff going on there. Upcoming comedy shows. My next comedy show is going to be after Christmas. This is always a great time of year to have a show. Wow. We shouldn't be playing in a bowl game on this day. This is Saturday. The 29th of December, Sean Patton, you may have seen him on Esquire's Best Bars in America, Conan, Comedy Central. He, he's one of, he, I'd say he's probably Hattiesburg's favorite comedian. From New Orleans originally, he's got a little Belushi to him. It's going to be at the Thirsty Hippo. It's going to be at 8 p.m. Tickets are $12 in advance, $15 at the door. All right, we've talked enough. And like I said, when we figure all this out, we're probably going to take a break for a few weeks. But I think shows could be intermittent based on what happens if we get some big news and we need to talk about it, we may just toss an episode out. So make sure you're subscribed on all the ways you can listen to the podcast, iTunes, Google play, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, radio, stitcher, give us a rating and review and, and show your friends how to subscribe, show your friends, show your Southern Miss friends, talk to your Southern Miss friends. Okay. Especially the older ones, talk to your dad and tell him what a podcast is mm-hmm. and take his iPhone and hit subscribe. So that way he doesn't have to figure it out. Let him. We do that all the time. But, uh, all right, now we're going to shut it down. And as always, Southern Miss to the top. Talk.